Gridiron Show, week two of the NFL season is in the books. Which two and O teams are false north? Which O and two teams should be pressing the panic button? Ollie Hunter, plus we speak with Sam Quick, an Olympic gold medalist. I mean, favorite Olympic gold medalist, I'm sorry, Mark Hunter. And there's loads of news, sadly, so many injuries to talk about, and much more besides this. It's the Gridiron Show. Okay, you can start talking now. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Sorry, sorry. We're interrupting my wife's evening in order to record this because I was hoping we'd get it done before she got home. Will Gavin at home, Ollie Hunter in the studio. Uh, it is Monday evening as we're recording this, of course, as usual. We'll have our Monday night thoughts as well. Week two is in the books. There's a load of stuff to talk about. and We've been asking you on Twitter, at Gridiron, which of these 2-0 and o teams are false dawns? Which ones should, of the 0-2 teams start pressing the panic button? At Ollie Hunter, how are you this fine day? I'm I'm knackered. <laughs> Eleven hours of football yesterday. Uh, after a really long night shift on Radio Le Mans, uh, about six hours sleep today. I just I'm knackered, and then I've got another overnight today. Um, whilst the Eagles Bears is going on, I definitely won't be able to stay awake. You're working way too hard, buddy. I know, buddy. I know. It's got to be done though. Got to pay for the divorce. Oh God! <laughs> so bleak. So bleak. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. What a really beautiful start to this podcast. You talking about your divorce? Fantastic. Yeah. Well. Uh, spe- speaking of which, uh, Sam Quick is on the show today. Oh. Sam Quick, one of the GB women's uh, record-breaking Olympic gold medalists, big Kansas City Chiefs fan, big NFL fan. I spoke to her earlier on. She was really good fun. And Ollie, I think you're going to fall a little bit in love with her. I'm not going to lie. Um, why is that? Uh, there's a little moment where the tomahawk chop gets played. Uh, well, I won't, don't want to spoil it, but it's good fun. She was really good fun. We'll have that coming up as well. Oh, there it is, Ollie. Can't bring this. My wife will atone to the fact that I am actually sitting in my living room in my pants and a T-shirt doing the tomahawk chop. <laughs> oh, incredible. Incredible. <laughs> on, that, on that very thought, actually, you know, we had the hysteria. Uh, the, we, we needed the new hysteria drop. Previously, it was hysteria lane to wisteria lane, and we used the Desperate Housewives theme yeah, tune. Yeah. Then it was uh, hysterical to the theme of th- physical. Hysterical. Hysterical. Yeah, Olivia Newton-John, Sarah genuinely looks at me with disgust then. Uh, <laughs> now we've got our new hysterical drop. Bring it on me, Ollie. Uh, where is it? Oh, come on, mate. You played it to me before we even got on air. Did I? It's our friend, the commentator from the San Francisco... Oh, it's that! Kevin Harlan. Okay, sorry. I, I thought it was uh, Hysterious Girl. No, well, that's the point. So it was going to be Hysterious Girl... Uh, but it's actually and I, and I sung a little bit of Peter Andre last week and then I made you sick in your mouth by talking about the idea that I was going to recreate the video um, not only did somebody photoshop us a photo of my face on Peter Andre's uh, ridiculous glistening bronze oh, body that's what it was that video. I, I chose to ignore that 
Yeah, I, I, if you didn't know the context of that photo, it was a weird one to see. But Dave's actually tweeted us saying, if Will Gav does recreate the Waterfall video, I may unsubscribe to your show. I, well, and you I also watch the video. I also responded, me too. Um, oh, so <laughs> the Just me on my own singing Peter Andre covers, brilliant. Uh, well, yeah, well that would be. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Yeah. There it is, the new hysteria drop. We're going to need plenty of that tonight. Mate. Wonderful. And do we have a panic button? Have we got some kind of siren or some kind of oh. noise to say? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Press the yeah. panic button. Uh, let me try this one. No, no, no it's not that one. Um, the panic button. No, uh, no, wait a sec, wait a sec. I did. I should have got this ready. Oh no, I did get it ready. Did the I panic get... button. No, I didn't get it ready. <laughs> this is incredible. Oh yeah, yeah I did. It's, well, it's, here we go. Hold on. Let's do it the again. Panic button. The air raid siren is exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> I, you have delighted me, and I'm glad that it's pleased you so much. Now, the reason I mentioned it was Sam Quek uh, did uh, Waxing Lyrical, who is the podcast that Neil Dutton, our fancy darling friend, does, tweeted us saying, don't forget you're both married men. Now, I, I, I am a married man and no interest in Sam Quek, but I'm just saying, Ollie, you're going through a divorce. Well, I'm currently still married, but separated. I mean, <laughs> once again, it's far too much information for all and sundry. Uh, I do apologise. the idea that Sam Quek, who I did a serious, proper, very fun NFL interview with, might be listening to this early part of the podcast and think, what are these two idiots talking about? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he might be unsubscribe already. Sam, uh, it does get better. I promise. There, there is some good Maybe. news for UK Game Pass subscribers today. What's Sky, that, Will? Sky have inexplicably selected Giants in Washington as their six o'clock game for this coming weekend. What? It's, instead of Carolina at Minnesota or Denver at Cincinnati. So, what does so, that mean? That means you're saved from blackouts in the best games. Well done, guys. <laughs> I'm going a bit mad with the drops today, aren't I? I love it. It's absolutely fine. It's weird when I'm not there because I can't see you dancing and I'm just dancing on my own. And it, it, it feels a bit odd, but it's, it's all fine. Look, let's start off the show by having my recap of Monday Night Football uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll get on and we'll do some news. We'll hear from Sam Quick and we'll go through the, the weekend's games and get some people's uh, hysterical reaction. Monday night football, a torrid second half of the Chicago Bears. So Carson Wentz and the Eagles rack up 26 unanswered points to win 29-14 in Soldier Field. A crucial interception late in the third quarter off a terrible throw by Jay Cutler, followed by Jeremy Langford's fumble, were both turned into Eagles touchdowns, handing Philadelphia a 2-0 start to the season. And we're going to be talking in this show about 2-0 starts and what that means for teams. The Eagles team looked pretty legit to me. Let's start with the defence. Vinnie Curry forcing that fumble. Uh, admittedly, the interception from Cutler was poor. Cutler ends up going out of the game with a hand injury. But Jim Swartz is coaching this defence well. This front seven looks strong. And, uh, you know, it's exactly kind of what we expected this year. That they were going to be offering something different pressures, different looks, and and Jim Schwartz just looks like exactly the right man to coach this defense. <clears throat> the Bears' offense, it, it just isn't good. They looked good on the first uh, touchdown drive after they went down to a field goal. Um, Jay Cutler completing the huge 49-yard bomb to Alshon Jeffrey, although it must be said Alshon Jeffrey was clear of his man, and that... that 
throw is massively underthrown. If he throws it ahead of Alshon Jeffrey, that's a touchdown every time, uh, you know, every day of the week. Uh, but Jeremy Langford picks himself up, punches it in, all good. That's fine. Uh, beyond that, they really didn't offer very much. Eddie Royal gets the punt return when they're already uh, find themselves 22 points down after that amazing second half run. Uh, Eddie Royal actually in the slot looks like a, like he's going to do a decent job this year. Uh, but beyond that, they, they had nothing. Nothing at the tight end position. I really liked Zach Miller going into this year because he had a really good last six or seven games of last season. But he looks really very poor indeed. But then we've got Carson Wentz on the other side. This man could not look like he fits Doug Peterson's offense better than any anyone else almost could have done in the league. You almost feel like if Alex Smith had had someone like Peterson and, and the coaching that Carson Wentz had from week one, maybe he would have had some success in San Francisco from right at the beginning. Because that's exactly the sort of quarterback Carson Wentz looks like. And we're seeing exactly the same sort of things that we do see in Kansas. People want to call the Chiefs offense boring, but I don't think it is. I think you see some incredible looks. There was a fantastic play call on the goal line where they ran a quick screen. Uh, Carson looking like he was going to throw out to his left, then reversing out to the right on the screen, getting the touchdown there. He completed some great throws as well, uh, and his maturity was fantastic, because when they settled for that field goal at the beginning of the game, there was the opportunity for him to force a pass inside to Jordan Matthews, and you know, we'd seen other players make similar throws, Jay Cutler, on his tu- on his interception, and other rookies might have tried to force that in and potentially turn the ball over. He saw that it wasn't on, he didn't force it in, he took the field goal. You know, and all in all, they were very, very impressive. Ryan Matthews with the two touchdowns. I mean, uh, he had the big run on the outside uh, where uh, that was another well-designed play. Misdirect play. He cut to the left-hand side. Jason Peters, the tackle, pulled with him. Uh, Josh Sitton uh, for the Bears, by the way, immediately looks like an addition. He he caused the difference for that Langford touchdown. But uh, Ryan Matthews beyond that, you know, they look like a... They, he didn't carry the bulk of the workload beyond that big carry and beyond those two touchdowns. We actually saw Wendell Small Smallwood works the game a little bit. We saw Sproles coming in out of the backfield. You know, they have real wrinkles. Matthews uh, had plenty of catches today. We saw Nelson Aguilar brought into the game for for a couple of big completions. Then going to spread the ball around. They're going to run some interesting looks. They're going to have some interesting offensive fronts. The Eagles are looking like a team. Maybe I'm being hysterical. Who knows? Right, let's get back to the preview of the weekend's action. There we have it, Monday Night Football. Yes, I watched the Bears and the Eagles, and, well, maybe it was worth it. Who knows? <laughs> at, at this point in time, I'm feeling like it's not going to be worth it, considering how tired. In fact, on your awake anyway. Why don't you watch it and record it? I could do, but no, I'm working at the same time, so I can't fully uh, digest it. Fine. Well, Simon tweeted us. Um, I mean, maybe we could both do it. In regards to our... We'll work out. It's fine. Okay. Simon tweeted us afterwards. Uh, I mean, we it's weird because it's already been done. And people <laughs> are listening to us describing what we're going to do when they've already heard it. Yeah, this is some space-time continuum nonsense that I really can't handle, buddy, right now. What did Simon say? Right, we, so we tweeted out asking for people to overreact to the first two games of the season, basically. Are there some 2-0 and o teams who are feeling a little bit cock of the walk right now? Are there some 0-2 teams who should be pressing the panic button? How should people be overreacting to the first two days? Simon tweets, after one game, you'd think the Bears would be panicking, but it's pretty much exactly what we expected. Hashtag tell TGS. So hopefully, for your sake, Simon, they managed to get a win this evening against the Eagles. Carson Wentz going into Soldier Field. Can the rookie be as impressive as he was week one? 
Well, you already know by this point, so I don't know why I'm going over that. Okay, some news. What, what were you doing? Yeah, the space-time continuing things weirding me out. Again, yeah, let's yeah. do some news. Uh, big news this evening. The NFL have announced today that the Seahawks have forfeited a fifth-round pick for 2017 for violating off-season workout rules. The team and coach Pete Carroll also find the club will lose its first week of 2017 OTAs. The club fine is $400,000. The personal fine to Pete Carroll is $200,000. And they'll lose three days of training activity for next off-season, basically due to, uh, in OTAs this past year, players engaging in excessive on-field contact, which is prohibited from all off-season workouts under the NFLPA collective bargaining agreement so this is not the first time the seahawks have uh, done something like this they've had prior violations in previous seasons of the same ota rules and now they are forfeiting picks i know a fifth round pick doesn't sound like a lot but when you consider that the punter andy uh, i was going to say king then but i was thinking of mark east king andy lee was traded for a fifth round pick you know it could be a top level punter that's what i'm talking about well but they are people too yeah so but i mean it's just it's idiocy from yeah. Pete Carroll it's just idiocy you've broken this rule before why would you go and break it again you know the NFL are going to catch you and you deserve to lose money and the draft pick. is that enough is it enough think- of a deterrent because whatever it was before it wasn't a deterrent so is it, do you think this will now be enough for Pete Carroll or does he not care the moment it becomes a draft pick it becomes real in people's mind I think it was the same with the Patriots the moment it became a draft pick they suddenly started taking the NFL seriously as they hadn't done before and so I think that is where you hit people where it really hurts money is money you've got these owners who are earning billions of dollars a year that's not going to make a big difference to them it was injury week in the NFL in week two and whilst we're going to obviously talk about these around the games there's just a few to mention um interestingly it sounds like um Whilst it's unlikely, Jimmy Garoppolo might even play on Thursday night against the Houston Texans. But if he doesn't, we could have four rookie QBs playing in week three. When we originally said that we didn't think any would play before the Mm. halfway point of the season. Cody Kessler for the Browns, Dak Prescott for the Cowboys, Carson Wentz for the Eagles and possibly Jacoby Brissett. All expected to start in week three. And... Part of this was the announcement that Josh McCown will be out with that shoulder injury for the near foreseeable future. And he, did, he went back in when he'd already been hurt and continued to play in the game and showed real toughness in a game the Browns you know, were finding themselves struggling in after going up big early on. And, and he did a little, he did his post-match press conference. And I watched this and it made me like Josh McCown a lot. How do you explain that? Uh, I think it's just not wanting to not be out there with you guys. You know, I got to... Um, I got a dad and an older brother who I know get up and go to work, and sometimes they don't feel great, and they go and they they go and they grind, you know. And I got two little boys that they're playing football now, you know, and they get hit and they get banged up, and trying to teach them what toughness means, you know. And so for me, it's it's those things that, um, and just knowing the window for me right now, um, and and understanding uh, that I don't want to miss snaps, I don't want to be out, you know, without my guys. So I got a little bit emotional listening to that, Ollie. I really like Josh McCown. Like, he really clearly cared, and he knows that he's late in his career, and he knows he had an opportunity here, having been handed the starting job, and he wanted to prove himself. And I thought he looked great through the first two quarters last night. He looked exactly what the Browns needed, and they just can't catch a break right now. God, can't they? I mean, it was so Brownsy for them to lose, but a lot of it was because Josh McCown had got injured. And the fact that he went back in, he was hurt, 
went back in and it really I, yeah it really means that much to him that's almost you could put that bit of audio up um as a video in the browns locker room or send it around to everybody's uh, phones or on whatsapp and all the lads i'm sure they don't call themselves lads but you know what i mean all of the guys can could, could watch it and that could be motivation for the next game because that's exactly what you want to see from your leader isn't it yeah, absolutely. 100%. Now, um, the other thing was it was uh, a tough week for people in their um, uh, in their fantasy leagues because of the number of running backs that went down injured this week. But do you know what? What? Uh, unbelievable luck with a lot of these players because quite a few of them, it looks like, are going to be back a lot sooner than expected. Um, Jonathan Stewart had to go out of the game for the Panthers. It's been confirmed as a hamstring, Riverboat Ron says, a week, maybe two at the most. Yep, uh, Fozzie Whitaker going to come in. Uh, he got 100 yards against the 49ers, so I think he's available in most of our um, <laughs> fantasy leagues, so I will definitely be trying to pick him up. Well, he's gone waiver wire mental. Uh, the Arian Foster, due to go an MRI on a groin today, but not expected to be as serious as originally thought. He's day-to-day for Miami. Uh, Thomas Rawls, he had to go out of the game. Ends up as a leg contusion. That's basically a big bruise. Should be back in the by shin. next week. Got kicked yeah. in the shin whilst, whilst, uh, whilst running. Didn't look great against the Rams, but... Uh, I mean, the Rams' defence really turned up. But um, hopefully, yeah, it, for, for fantasy owners' sake, he'll be back. Doug Martin didn't return, but it's just a slight hamstring tweak. Might miss a week, but is expected to be back soon. Amir Abdullah, belief that despite him not returning, it's only a foot sprain. X-rays turned up negative, which is positive, if you get what I mean. So it ends up, don't panic about your running backs too much. Except a couple of them. Danny Woodhead, early on, they thought it might only be an MCL sprain. He had an MRI on his knee today. The latest is they think it's almost definitely a torn ACL. So they've lost Keenan Allen, then Danny Woodhead, probably the two best weapons in their passing offense outside of Antonio Gates, and they've lost the both of them to potential ACL tears in the first week of the season. Didn't Danny Woodhead have a, a big injury a couple of seasons ago as well? Yeah, he's a player so, who has had injury problems in the past, and it's the kind of position the running back where knees can be an issue. But yeah, devastating for the, the, well, the young man. And but behind um, them, they've got the a rookie Kenneth Farrow and Andre Williams. Uh, Derek Watt is uh, is a fullback. Is he JJ Watt's brother? No, nah, I doubt it. It's just the same name. That would be too much of a coincidence. We'd have heard about it more. Uh, he's a fullback. But I tell you what. What about Carlos Williams? I know he. Oh, he hello. Was, yeah, released by the the Bills. Um, didn't quite cut it at the Jets um, when he was there training with them. I think he's banned for another game, maybe, or he might be coming back. I'll, I'll check that by the end of the the, the show. But there's there's um there's a spot there for for someone like carlos williams his his ban will apply from the moment he apply he he suits up for a team fine okay so um he would have to miss a few games but there's an opening there and definitely someone who i'm surprised hasn't made it to a roster i know that he did train with the pittsburgh steelers um uh one point but if he's losing the weight and he's getting back on track then good for him adrian peterson's the weird one now we're going to talk about the vikings and i have to tell you ollie spoiler alert i am well back on the vikings bandwagon having rewatched the game this morning. Yeah, yeah. Adrian Peterson having an MRI today. Uh, Zimmer originally said the injury wasn't as bad as feared, that whatever it is has calmed down. He's since confirmed that he's got a torn meniscus. Now, uh, a torn meniscus potentially could be a season-ending injury, depending on the severity of it. 
But equally, Mike Zimmer refused to rule out the idea that he might play next weekend. So uh, we have no idea with Adrian Peterson at the moment. But what we do know is he doesn't look very good at the moment. Doesn't look good. Um, I think it's 1.6 yards per carry before he went out. When he got when he um, got injured, he was carried off the field and couldn't put any weight on that leg at all. It wasn't just uh, wasn't just gingerly walking off. He couldn't put any weight on it at all. Um, you know that 1.6 yards per carry? Yeah, man. If uh, With players with at least 30 rushes since the AFL and NFL merged in 1970, that is the worst yards per attempt by a player in that entire 50-odd year span. Wow. That's worse than he who must be not named. Yeah, that's worse than a man who we don't consider to be an actual running back, who we don't consider to be an actual NFL player. Now, I know that the way the teams have been lining up has been stuffing the box because of the lack of quarterback play with Sean Hill, but, oh, Adrian Peterson, even if he does come back, I would be concerned. Maybe he has gone over that hill. Look, we're going to start getting hysterical and overreacting to well, no, no, well, uh, listen, games. He did come up against two very good run defences. Green Bay... Uh, I know we'll talk about it, but Green Bay have conceded uh, perhaps the least amount of rushing yards out of all of the teams, which is incredible uh, when you look at uh, uh, who, who they came up against. TJ Yarden last week, Adrian Peterson et al. this week. All right, they're, they're terrible. Their secondary was terrible last night, but their rush defense has been Wait, outstanding. I just said we're going to overreact to the Week 2 games. You are getting, you're overreacting ahead of time. All right, mate. Sorry. <laughs> What's your problem? Because you're drunk. That's what I'm saying. I am not drunk. Let's get to our interview with Sam Quek. Uh, In fact, I do a big intro on the interview. She was absolutely delightful. I spoke to her earlier this afternoon. Huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. I think this might be something we do a little bit more often, get some people on who like the NFL, who you maybe haven't have heard like the NFL. But she was really knowledgeable, and I really enjoyed this. So here is Sam Quek. So she first came to the nation's attention as one of the record-breaking women in Rio, claiming a first gold for the national side in that phenomenal performance against the Dutch in the final, and all the way through the tournament, to be fair. But what you might not know is she's a huge NFL fan, specifically of the Chiefs, and I found out last night she plays fantasy as well. Don't worry, we'll, uh, we'll make sure to answer, ask her about that as well. It's Olympic gold medalist Sam Quick. Sam, uh, thank you for taking the time out to speak with us. Not a problem at all. Uh, look, are you ever going to get sick of someone prefacing your name with the words Olympic gold medalist? Absolutely not. I use it as any possible time that I can. But no, you know, it's been one of my dreams for many, many years. So to actually hear, you know, not only me say it in the mirror to myself before the Olympics, <laughs> but also to um, hear it, you know, coming out of young girls' mouths and people who used to play hockey. It's just, you know, it's such an inspiration. Uh, look, I, we were obviously going to talk NFL, but the fact is when you were out there, no one, not necessarily no one gave you a shot, but certainly the Netherlands were so heavily favoured and you went on that unbelievable unbeaten run. You know the way the NFL media love a cliched storyline. At what point did you start to believe that this could be the one you could win that, that gold? Uh, to be honest, we went in as a squad absolutely believing we could do it. We didn't expect that we could do it or we didn't think, you know, it's going to happen by itself, but... I think it was really important that we did believe it was going to happen. Um, for myself, I would probably thought about, you know, this is actually going to happen about three games out. But we were in that kind of culture where everybody uh, everybody was on a different level in respect to what they thought and how they were approaching it. So it wasn't a case of me making a big song and dance that I think we can do it and we're actually going to do it. I think people's realisations probably happened at different times. 
But, um, you know, I think that's probably what made it so special, that everybody was on the same wavelength, even though people didn't have to speak about it. It was that thing of where you get that in in the NFL, in particular, of saying, you know, don't mention the word playoffs, don't mention the word Super Bowl. Was it kind of everyone had to keep it to themselves with the coaches saying to you, let's let's just next game mentality kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. And I think, especially the Super Bowl, it's such a huge event, you know, if not one of the biggest events in the world that people tune into. And it's obviously similar to the Olympics. Um, but you know what I think what was special because we do have a centralized program where we spend so much time together we can afford to have those conversations back at Bisham Abbey back at base and people who are nervous or tentative about saying such things uh, that can be all expelled there and then so you know if if it is talked about at the Olympics or if they do overhear somebody uh, saying you know we are going to win gold it doesn't come across as a shock or it doesn't come across as something that people are scared of I'm always intrigued by the mentality of athletes uh, as someone who obviously covers sport, but, you know, never reached that level myself. You see it so much with NFL films and and uh, that mentality of people when they're making that comeback. I'm, I'm always intrigued. What were you all saying to each other on the field when you go back down again? You know, you need to get that goal back to, to bring it back level, eventually force the penalty shootout. How were you all rallying each other? Um, again, I keep saying this grief was a special grief, and it is um, so much so that we know each other so well that, you know, it's just a certain look. You can tell by looking at someone in an eye that, you know, we're on that we can do this. And at not one point during the final, I felt that we couldn't. I always knew that we were going to come back. Um, and conversations that had been had yet again, uh, so, you know, and we were all aware that if we were going to win the Netherlands, it was always going to be a tight game. So whether it was a one goal or there'd be like two or three goals in it. Uh, and, you know, it was the latter of that. Um, and again, I keep going back to what we do at Bisham Abbey, which is, again, such an important um, part of our training that, you know, on a Thursday, it's called a thinking Thursday that we do 11 aside. One team will be Netherlands or New Zealand or whatever team that may be. And uh, the other 11 would be the GB team. And we put in scenarios such as we are going to be 3 nil down at half time. You need two to qualify or we're 2-0 up, you need to keep that score uh, the, the same in order to go through to the final. So, again, it was all about desensitising ourselves to those situations. And full respect to Danny Kerry, our coach, he made that um, really, really easy for us. Sounds like the Bill Belichick of hockey. Situational hockey at all times, that's brilliant. Uh, Absolutely, he's the, he's, he's, the, uh, he's a complete, um, well, he's just a legend, and I know Bill, Patri- um, Bill um, Belichick is that for the Patriots, and you know, I, I'm more than happy to put him on that stage with such huge names. Amazing, brilliant. And the reaction must have been phenomenal since you've been back. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I can only thank, you know, the British public, the support from all over the world. And everybody has been so supportive and so nice. And, you know, not just those in hockey, like, you, you know, every sport. So LFC or, um, you know, other football clubs, NFL. And I've just been so lucky that those guys have been there to help support and follow my passion as well to give me opportunities to either you know go to the match or speak to yourself I mean obviously we you you caught our attention doing the NFL UK event in London and uh, you don't have to say this has been the most fun thing since you've been back but (laughs) you've had so many great opportunities so question of sport this weekend what has been the best thing you've got to do since you got back to the UK absolutely every opportunity I've absolutely loved Um, I do have to say though 
um, trying on Sean's Super Bowl ring. That was one. Of, that was an absolute. Now I now I know how people feel like trying on my gold medal. So you know, wearing one of the classics '85 Bears uh, Super Bowl rings was just an absolute. Uh, it took my breath away. I'm, I'm going to be honest. So that has to be up there in, in respect to experience. But fun wise, yeah, question of sport. I've absolutely loved that. Um, I love a quiz. So to be able to do that with such good company and the cyclists Laura and Jason as well as um, you know Phil and Matt that was uh, you know that was something which I will take home with me brilliant stuff so I've got to ask then how did you first get into the NFL uh, I'm going to be honest um, my boyfriend uh, what it was <laughs> uh, he's a huge huge fan um, has been probably since about 2011 I think he first first got into it um, all I knew about the NFL was uh, the halftime shows which you know I'm a big Beyonce fan <laughs> But to, to be fair, this season is probably my second proper season of understanding the game, understanding the players and set plays. So I'm enjoying it more and more now, having that understanding. But yeah, um, being um, in the training uh, uh, base down in Bisham Abbey, up home for me is on the Wirral, so it's a good three-hour drive. Uh, I used to come back on a on a Thursday night, nice and tired, but you'd be there with the food ready with the Thursday night game on. And it was a case of, right, Sam, you can either sit with me and have cuddles on the sofa. He's going to kill me if he has to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, watching the game or, you know, go go to bed on your own. So it was a case of, yeah, keeping him company on the sofa and watching the game. And I'm so glad he made me do that because I've fallen in love with the game. Cracking. I mean, he, he was a lot of fun for, for British fans as well. Dressed up a lot when he came down to Rio. He looks like he'd fit right in a good proper American tailgate. Yeah, you should see him on a Thursday, Saturday and Sunday night and a Monday <laughs> at home with his uh, jerseys on. But absolutely, you know, we go to the Wembley Games and we go pretty early. Um, I think the, the last year that we went, there wasn't a tailgate, but there was some sort of tailgate, um, I think the, the one before, whether it was the Miami game. And I just want to say, can we please bring them back? Because we had so much fun kicking the balls up and then the ball would come back up from somewhere else in the crowd. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we're going to New York and we can't wait to be part of the tailgate. And mate, will that be your first time going to watch a game out in the States then? Yeah, for myself, yes. Uh, we're going to New York Giants and New York Jets. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, Tom went to the, uh, the Super Bowl and AFC final with the Patriots and um, um, uh, finals with the Patriots and Baltimore the previous season. Oh, fantastic. Well, that was a hell of a game as well. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm intrigued then. Why? Why the Kansas City Chiefs? Pardon? I'm intrigued then. Why? Why the Kansas City Chiefs? Um, I'm going to have to say, first of all, I love the uh, atmosphere of the Arrowhead, and yeah. not only that, but the chop. Every time I hear that, I full on join in, and I've got my arm going. Um, that was my initial idea. But when they came to Wembley last season, um, it was one of my favourite games when they played the Lions. Um, Demarius Thomas scored the first touchdown, and we, I went for him because um, because uh, I was number thirteen shirt, and obviously his name was Thomas. Yeah, so, um, like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was obviously the start of their their running streak, and unfortunately, and just, you know, in normal preseason games, it ended last night. So um, yeah, for me, it was part of the amazing because they've got an amazing crowd, amazing followers, and I just love the way they played. Uh, I absolutely love that, and uh, we are huge, huge fans of the chop. And in fact, I think I'm bound to. I must have it somewhere here. We uh, we're huge fans of Arrowhead. It's a phenomenal stadium. You have to get out there and see a game there because there's not much else like it in the world. Is is it something? Are you going to get a chance to get out there? Are you going to get a chance to see a game in in Arrowhead and see one in the states? Uh, 
Well, it's at the one. It's probably one of the top on my bucket list, and I would love to be part of the loudest fans in the world it actually is an, a legit stat in the Guinness World Record love that um, but you know I'm a Liverpool fan and Anfield comes close but I'm sure the Arrowhead Stadium would absolutely uh, drown any football stadium that we have here in England I knew I had it there we go <laughs> yeah there it is I have to tell you, me and my co-host Ollie, any time that comes on, we have to go full chant doing the chop and everything else. Neither of us are Chiefs fans, but it's just so much fun. Uh, have you um, have you ever actually had the chance to look into doing training, say, with NFL teams or, or players and, and see how they work versus how you do your thing? Um, no, not, not not really, but um, well, I'm looking forward to meeting some of the Colts when they come over. We've had... Uh, the fortunate invite uh, to go over and potentially throw some balls with those guys. Oh, great. Um, but I, you know, I see, you know, out of all the 53 players, it's probably the different types of training that each player has to do. It's just unbelievable. Um, and I think that's something special which an NFL football team has because if you look at all the different positions and all the things that are required from, from the different players to come together as one, I think that's awesome because at the end of the day, everybody has to be on the same page. You must identify with their toughness as well, because it's, it's a tough, tough game to play. But I, I was reading that you captained England with two broken ribs before. Like I, I can barely get out of bed in the morning if I've stubbed a toe. That is phenomenal. Yeah, that was um, that was the, I think it was Champions Trophy back in November 2014. Um, one of the girls, uh, Kate Walsh, who was the normal captain, had gone on uh, on a six month break, so the girls voted myself in and. Um, yeah, the first, I think it was the first quarter of the game, I had a very, very hard hit by one of the Aussie girls on my right-hand side. And I do remember it, the, it took the wind out of me completely and I had a bit of a sore pain. But it wasn't until after the game I literally couldn't move and it came to a decision whether, you know, do I play on, I'm captain, can I play on? But if I do play on, am I going to be doing a disservice to the team? But um, I had a fitness test the next day and managed to get her through that and... I did go for an x-ray, and, but it, it wasn't picked up out there in Argentina. It wasn't until I arrived back home they'd said that I'd been playing on two fractured ribs. So, yeah, that has to be a, that has to be a credit to the uh, painkillers and the adrenaline that I got during that tournament. That is genuinely absolutely phenomenal. I, I can't pretend I'm not completely impressed by that. Um, I did see a lineup on, on uh, Twitter last night for your fantasy football. It looked like you had, much like me, a bit of a rough night. I was really excited, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going into this with some quality players here, but I'm not going to lie, like you say, I, I, I was disappointed. Um, some of my big players maybe didn't turn up last night, like Adele and Edelman, but uh, obviously with Jonathan Stewart getting injured quite early on and uh, Freeman splitting his carries, it was, yeah, it was a tough night, so hopefully, you know, it'll be a bit better next week. I, I saw you lobbying for people to take part in your league on Twitter. What kind of response did you get to that? It filled up, you know, really, really quick, which I was really quite pleased and shocked about. Um, obviously, the NFL, I know it's growing every year um, in the UK, which is what we want to see. Um, but yeah, all the, all the spots filled in with, I think it was about one minute, 14 seconds. Amazing. Like that. But yeah, so hopefully, you know, you can have more participation, maybe if someone releases a fantasy league like that. You're, you're genuine. You're just like more in demand than Glastonbury tickets. That's ridiculous. Oh, God. I wish. Can you imagine? Uh, Look, I do hate to be the slight bearer of bad news. You're not our first gold medalist on the show. Mark Hunter, I don't know if you know the uh, GB rower, is a huge 49ers fan, but 
we, we've got heavy recency bias, bias, and you're obviously now our favourite gold medalist that we've had on. Oh, thank but you. <laughs> it, it's, uh, Mark does take part in a uh, in a fancy league with a few of the guys here, Nat Coombs from from uh, Channel Four as well, and Vernon Kay and a few others. And, and next season, if you fancy it, we'd love to have you take part in the league as well. I would love that. That would be sick. I, yeah, I'd absolutely love that. As I say, my passion for American football is probably getting more and more. This is actually my very first fantasy league and I've probably come not obsessed with it yet, but I am very, very keen and obviously very competitive. So, um, yeah, that would be a massive. That would be absolutely amazing. Awesome. I'm definitely holding you to that, Sam. If like, We've obviously got the... Uh, we've, we've got your contact now, your email, but if you want to follow us on Twitter, at Gridiron, we can, uh, we can DM you, get you the details. That would be amazing. And, and also, I mean, we're, at the, we're going to be at the Games as well this year. We're going to be broadcasting live from, uh, from Wembley and Twickenham. So, I mean, it'd be great to catch up with you there as well if you get the chance. I know you're going to be off having fun and hopefully kicking some field goals and stuff but uh but if we get the chance to catch up it'd be great to do it again there i would absolutely love that opportunity and uh yeah we're going to be a three of the two again so i'm sure we'll still be more than enough time uh to catch up awesome sam that'd be great fun thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us congratulations again not that you need it from me you've had it from all corners of the globe and the country but uh, uh wonderful achievement and uh, it's great to see nfl fans doing well you know not just being the kind of nerds who sit and watch it at yeah. one in the morning but actually getting out there uh, and achieving in the world absolutely thank you very much and it's so lovely to speak to you and especially uh, even more of a pleasure to speak about nfl how do you feel about that ollie i love her I thought you may do. Um, um, but, but, uh, it's a pity radio doesn't have subtitles. Um, <laughs> whoa. whoa! No, just kidding, Quicky. Dig, dig at the Scousers. That's unnecessary. Quicky, yeah. Um, uh, it, I, the GB hockey team watching it um, in the Olympics was incredible. It, it caught everybody's imagination. But then to find out that one, she's an NF- NFL fan. Two, she's not a Seahawks. Patriots or <laughs> who else a Bears fan is amazing she likes the Chiefs who of course we love and then incredible she joins in with the the, the Tomahawk chop I mean that's amazing yeah it was pretty impressive and um when I suggested that she join our fancy league next year she literally went that would be sick are we, so, who are we getting rid of? Dixon? My wife is looking at me and throwing her arms up in the air because she wants to join our fancy league. What she doesn't realise is the reason we don't let her back in is because she embarrassed us that one season by beating us all. Uh, me and, in the uh, final, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> including you in the final, <laughs> yeah. exactly. No, let's definitely make sure my wife gets in a team next year because uh, she did ask me last season and I said yes. And I'm a terrible husband. You're a disgraceful so, human being, yeah. Yeah, absolutely that. Absolutely that. Should we get hysterical? Let's get the guy is drunk but there he goes so we asked you on twitter of the two and O teams so far and there are seven of them left in the league which is a tiny number after two weeks to be undefeated patriots broncos ravens steelers texans giants and the vikings we asked people who do you think will not go to the playoffs from those two and O teams i'll read you some of the responses adam foxcroft said the purple teams which I guess Vikings and Ravens. Uh, Sam Barkley said Ravens and Giants are the weakest of those, although New York should make it from a weak division. Nick says the Ravens, they're a lot better than last season, but those are two na- but they are too narrow, not tremendously impressive wins that they have. Uh, there's no way the Ravens are going, especially in that division, says Alan. Three teams from Mark Jupp, the Ravens, the Giants and the Vikings. Uh, Thomas Willoughby says Baltimore. 
Tom McLaughlin says the Ravens and the Vikings because of the tougher divisions. Giants are front runners in a week one. Uh, Mark Budden, I think the Ravens will miss out. Tempted to say Vikings have AP out for a significant period of time, and I'm 50-50 on the Giants. And uh, Jamie Floor says Ravens for sure. Most likely second would be Giants. So basically there are three teams that stand out from those. People seem to think Patriots, Patriots, Broncos, Steelers, Texans all going to the playoffs. People are less sure on the Ravens, Giants, and of all teams, the Vikings. So should we start with Sunday Night Football, Ollie? Yeah, let's. Yeah. How, how are you feeling this morning after, um, after that? Night? I'm feeling like we came up against a team who had a, has an excellent defence. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic defence. And, and, a, and a receiver who had a career day. And it seems like a lot of receivers have career days against Green Bay. We saw it with Julio, uh, Julio Jones a couple of years ago. He's 200-plus yards when he was partly banged up anyway. Stefan Diggs looked incredible. But did he look incredible because... The Green Bay, uh, the Green Bay cornerbacks and um, and the outfield. The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway from the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now. What made him look that good? Is Sam Bradford that good? You know, the Packers didn't play well. Packers, apart from the run defense, which was the only, I think, the only really good thing about how the Packers played, Everything else was not good for the Packers. Maybe the Packers can't get back to 2014 or early part of 2015. And maybe that is what we should expect from the Packers. I'm not sure. The Vikings only beat them by three points. So are the Packers no longer any good? Look, the Packers are a team who I still think are in the Super Bowl conversation. Now... This all comes down to one thing for me, vertical offense. Because watching it back, Jordy Nelson has come back into that Packers Mm. team. And what he needed to do was reignite that vertical passing game. And for nearly three quarters, Aaron Rodgers attempted five. Devontae Adams, not Nelson, deep outside the numbers when he looked to gain chunk yardage. It was five or six times he did that. He got one uh, OPI, uh, two pass interference calls, but didn't actually catch the bleeding ball. Um, uh, Jordy Nelson made the 39-yard grab in the fourth quarter. That's what needs to happen more and more. But for the Vikings, now North Turner's offense, and I said this when Sam Bradford first signed, and I have been one of Sam Bradford's biggest doubters across his career, I think he's a better fit for this team than Teddy Bridgewater. Now, that's not to say he's a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater is potentially a more cerebral, a more intelligent quarterback, a better game manager, which I know people will not like that term in particular being used. But then I really thought about it, and I put this into the Tuesday morning uh, touchdown, my my takes on the column for gridiron-magazine.com. He had 10 days to learn a new offense, his fourth in two years, and entirely different than anything he ran under Chip Kelly, under Doug Peterson, under anyone else. 
the mentality of being traded for the second time in two years, having been constantly told you're going to be the die. The guy starting a divisional game against your fiercest rivals who are a genuine Super Bowl contender, opening a brand new billion dollar stadium with the hopes of a city and a state on your shoulders and having a Hall of Fame running back who's meant to carry you into the game is a total non-factor, gets injured in the third quarter. And yet Sam Bradford put up his best ever game as a pro because he suits that North Turner offense down to a T. He's a vertical guy. He can move in the pocket so he can escape pressure when he needs to. And we probably shouldn't be surprised that he's really fit what the Vikings want to do. Yes, they simplified it last night, but actually I'm back aboard the Vikings hype train. I think they're going to the playoffs. Oh, I think they're going to the playoff. no, uh, playoffs, no doubt. Um, I just think people... it. A lot of Vikings um, last night on Twitter, even this morning still, are going way over the top. You beat a misfiring Packers. Okay, they've been misfiring for a, you know best part of three quarters of a season, spanning across into last season. You beat a, a Packers team who aren't don't look very good at the moment by just three points in your own in your own backyard with a defense that should be. It could be one of the top five defences in, in the league. It, you didn't win the Super Bowl. Okay, guys? It's not <laughs> it's not 2018. That Whoa. wasn't the, the Super Bowl. Whoa. Just chill out. Back off. You're 2-0. Let's just wait and see what, what's going to happen after 10, 12, 14 weeks. But interestingly, Adam got in touch and said he thinks the, the Vikings are a false dawn. He said he thinks they're lucky to be 2-0. Whereas Ben said he's got a slight Packers panic. Mitch says Green Bay heroic losses are still losses. That wasn't a heroic loss, Mitch. It wasn't a heroic loss. We lost that because you we weren't good. Drunk. Well, yeah, I tell you what. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. It wasn't a heroic loss. We lost to a team that were bettered. It wasn't heroic. There was nothing heroic about it at all. If it was heroic, it you know we would have won. Come on, Mitch, mate. Come on. It, harsh words, harsh what it, words. It, and Adam, I don't think it's a false dawn. The Vikings aren't lucky to be two and zero. They're they're two and zero because they were better than the two teams that that they played. No luck involved in any of that. They happen to come up against the Packers that aren't very good at the moment. But that's that's not lucky. That's taking your chances, and they took their chances last night. Stefan Diggs was outstanding. Bradford was outstanding. The defense was outstanding. Even special teams had a role to play. There was right, no luck about it. Let's talk Patriots because they are the other team that really, yeah, throw that bit of paper away. Calm your storm. Simon tweets us, the people who should be panicking are Tom Brady and Janine Garofalo should be panicking if <laughs> Joby Brissett becomes the new quarterback king in the NFL. And as my wife will attest to, whilst we were watching the Patriots game last night on Red Zone, the number of times that they re referenced Jimmy Garoppolo and Sarah thought they were saying Janine Garofalo, it was really quite stressing her out. <laughs> Do the Patriots with Jacoby Brissett need to be hitting the panic button? I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I think what they can do is, again, simplify the offense. This uh, Jacoby Brissett has been uh, with the, the Patriots since since the you know the start of the season. Um, okay, he may not have the skill set of some other quarterbacks like um, uh, Carson, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott... Cody Kessler who's going to get a start maybe even Jared Goff but what he has been he's been with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and uh, Ginny Garofalo he's been with the, all three of them 
all season. So it's not like he is uh, like Sam Bradford and he's got to learn the offense in 10 days. Not at all. Okay, he's only got four days to take significant reps with um, with with the first team. Yeah, and he's got to face J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, Whitney Merciless. I mean, this Texas is the... Defense. When you talk about luck, this is the ultimate luck for the Texans to go to, go to Foxborough oh. And face a team that is without all of those, is without uh, their top two quarterbacks. That is luck. However, I don't. Th- I think it will be closer than people think. I also right, so think- hold on, hold on. Right before we get into that, I think the Patriots are lucky because here's why: Garoppolo on fire, two hundred thirty-four yards, three scores, twenty-five minutes. They went up big on the Dolphins, and yes. They let them back into the game in the second half. I, it felt to me more like a Belichick taking the foot off the gas, playing defense a little bit soft. But LeGarrette Blunt comes into the game, 129 yards on 29 carries, looks like a star running back. I just traded him away for a, a wide receiver in one of my fantasy leagues. Cause my Why did you do back. that? Because I'm an idiot. They, uh, they're just going to lean on the running game. Maybe not against the Texans. In fact, if anything, take the loss to the Texans. If they go 2-2 two and two over these four games, they would have been happy about that at the start of the season. They then get Tom Brady back. They then get um, uh, their, their tackles back. They then get Rob Gronkowski back. The Patriots are going to be absolutely fine. It's frustrating, but it's true. It was an interesting game. Uh, one of the things that really struck me about this weekend in the league in general was lack of ability to convert in the red zone and one of the games that really stood out to me was the Texans Chiefs game finished Houston Texans 19 Kansas City Chiefs 12 Texans moved to 2 and 0 oh. DeAndre Hopkins brilliant banner day 113 yards Braxton Miller went out with a hamstring injury but otherwise they looked pretty impressive um, Will Fuller was the first uh, first uh, rookie to do uh, to make 100 yard back to back games to start off his career the Texans are looking like a really good team, but the Chiefs... Alex Smith had a banner week last week. He had one of his best performances on offense. This week, they were held to just 291 yards. Alex Smith was sacked four times. They didn't convert in the red zone. They had to rely on the boot of Cairo Shantos. And all in all, all this really did for me was convince me that the Texans are as good as I thought they were. Uh... I think you've. I think actually you're a little. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. <laughs> Brock Osweiler, nineteen to thirty-three, one TD, two interceptions. I don't think he's anywhere near as good as people as you're. Not making out, um, but you're not. You're leaving out the fact that he had an average game. They've got. He's. It, it, but he had an average game and they won. They had an average game and they won. Against a very good defence. Yeah, against a, a good defence. And the Texans' defence is as good. I, I just think Osweiler's getting away with it a little bit because of the form of Will Fuller, because of DeAndre Hopkins, because of J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney. I, believe I, I don't get... in. I believe in Bill O'Brien. I don't I believe, believe in Brock. I believe that Bill O'Brien can turn Brock into a serviceable NFL quarterback. There I mean, we well, there's, that's, there's nothing uh, hysterical about that. There's nothing outlandish about that. He has turned him into a serviceable, serviceable NFL quarterback. He's got he two wins. He's, not. he's got two wins. I just don't think he's very good. And I think that could, f- for the for now, he has turned him into that quarterback. I just, the jury, my jury is still out on him. And I, I think it will come back to bite them. 
Now, we need to look at both sides of the ball in one of the games because we've got a 2-0 team and an 0-2 team. In the Broncos, in their 34-20 loss, well, it came down to that ridiculous defence in the second half. A big pick for Akeem Tlaib. A throw that Andrew Luck probably shouldn't have been making, but Akeem Tlaib completely read it, jumped the route, took it back to the house. Some terrible tackling overall. And then the pocket collapses on him late on when he's looking to drive down and try and tie the game up. Who could it be? Von Miller gets the strip sack. Shane Ray takes it in for the touchdown. The Broncos, they're fine. They have a great defense. Trevor Simeon, not as good as week one, but did ha- he? I mean, he had better stats this week, but he was going up against a Colts team who I th- uh, we heard from Dequell Jackson, their, um, their captain on the defense. They have so many replacement cornerbacks that their defensive captain admitted that he doesn't know all of the (laughs) names of the guys on his team. He just knows nicknames for some of them because they've had to replace so many starters. They're in such a mess in that area. Most of those guys shouldn't be playing in the NFL. The big question is, and get ready with that panic button, should the Colts be ready to panic? Okay, I want to pick you up on a couple of things. Uh, yes, I think they should be getting ready to panic. <laughs> but the thing I wanted to pick you up, Trevor Simeon did not have a better stat day. Uh, the, the, one interception, no touchdowns. Uh, this oh, is okay, a better points day then, sorry. Uh, but, uh, no, no, uh, no, okay, a better points day for his offense, perhaps. But the defense came up with, with points as well. And also, I mean, this is a guy that's got, in obviously in just two NFL starts, he's got more touch, uh, more interceptions than he has touchdowns. I'm not having it. I'm still not having him either. What they've got, the Broncos... I just, is, I just think it's not a game we can we can base his NFL career on yet. Well, he's going up against a team that doesn't have any cornerbacks. And he doesn't, ca- and he doesn't have... Some good teams. Yeah, but a, a team... Yeah, a team... Because against a good team last week, he looked pretty good, I'm afraid. I'm still not having it, mate. Still not having it. He made some great throws in the pocket. He looked good last week. Stephen tweets us saying Colts look like they want the number one overall pick next year. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they can get a half decent lineman with it and make sure Andrew Luck has some time in the pocket. Do you know what this is? And I, uh, for the uh, Tuesday morning touchdown thing with uh, Ma- uh, Matthew Sherry and uh, Gridiron Hyper Magazine, I, I, I talked about the Seahawks. But actually, as I was writing it, I was thinking these O lines and the lack of thought that has been given to protecting the quarterback and the running backs with these uh, these mediocre O. O lines throughout the the league. We've seen um, uh, we've seen two Browns quarterbacks go down injured because of bad O line play. We've seen uh, Andrew Luck last year get injured. We, you know, I think GMs are culpable for the health of these quarterbacks that are getting hurt because the O lines are nowhere near good enough. And I think when you when you've got and I think it was Jim Nance who was on was play calling for uh, CBS uh, for this game. He said, "Why haven't they got two players marking Von Miller on that O line so that he doesn't get to Andrew Luck and and and, and yeah, disrupt the play? A double team constantly." And I think that a serious people are going to have to look at this really seriously about how. Uh, how the quarterbacks aren't being protected, not by by referees, uh, okay? They, 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 their they, own teams, but but by their own bloody teams. Just the, just the protect them. 
You've got to do it. Next three games. They're at home the next three games. They've got the Chargers, the Jags, and the Bears. Those are all winnable games. They at have home. to win those three. If I they think don't they win, have to win all three. Yeah, if they don't go three and out with those, or three and zero with those. Uh, they're out of the uh, out of the playoffs. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs in the first place anyway. Yeah, but. neither of us had them going. But the next four games after that, at Texans, at Titans, home to Chiefs, at Packers. Yeah. That's well, a tough run. Yeah. They need to win the next three games, basically. They're hitting the panic button. Um, two more. Uh, another game that had an 0-2 team and a 2-0 team. Poor, poor Cleveland Browns. We've talked about the... Uh, We've talked about the um, the quarterback injury already, but the Cleveland Browns go up twenty to nothing against the Baltimore Ravens, their biggest rivals. After all the city moving and everything else, they go to take the extra point. It gets blocked. It gets run back for two points for the Ravens, and I know they get the late field goal. But basically, Joe Flacco leads a charge. They beat the Browns, and it's more than anything for me due to what happened there. And. It's so Brownsy, but Corey Coleman looked good, so there's a positive for the Browns. They're not hitting the panic button because they were never expecting to do anything. But are the Ravens sneakily looking like a team that could go to the playoffs? Um, I mean, they've come up against two really crap teams, haven't they? That's that's the that's the that's the answer. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't. I don't kind think of set so. you up for that. You only had to say that. Thanks, we're mate. Like, I think we're done with that game. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, a game which was absolutely uh, huge going into the weekend and. In some ways, a shame that it was such a, a, a rained-out mess of a game. But actually, I'm someone who likes that kind of in-the-trenches football. Bengals go to the Steelers. They lose 24-16. But you want to talk about teams who struggled in the red zone. With no Jeremy Hill offering a real threat for the Bengals, with no Tyler Eifert there, Andy Dalton, between the 20s, looked, again, like a top-10 sort of level quarterback. They just couldn't convert in the red zone. They could have beaten this Steelers team, who, yes, D'Angelo Williams looked impressive. But overall, the Steelers now, 2-0, and have beaten two very, very good teams. I was a bit down on the Steelers going into the season. I think I was a bit stupid. They might be the best team in the AFC, along with the Patriots right now. Well, when they get... Le'Veon Bell, Ladarius Green, uh, so that Zach Grimble, uh, Xavier Grimble doesn't have to catch touchdown passes, and Jesse James, the who sounds like you said um, on Twitter that Xavier Grimble sounds like he's from Harry Potter. Well, yeah, Jesse- Xavier Grimble does not sound like an NFL player. Xavier Grimble sounds like a character from Harry Potter, and uh, we ended up doing a thing on Twitter where we took a college name, that's what Xavier is, and took the name of a children's cartoon character and made our own Xavier Grimble style name so I was uh, I was Notre Dame Gruffalo okay, uh, although someone then said you should have gone with Buffalo Gruffalo and that probably would have worked better uh, but Neil Dunn was getting involved James Dixon was getting involved so check those out on Twitter it's a, a silly thing we were doing during the 6 o'clock kickoffs but yeah the Steelers with half a team are looking like a better team than most teams in the NFL right now. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I, and I still think the Bengals are a great team, and I'm still on that bandwagon, and I think they split with the Steelers and beat them at home based on the way they're playing at the moment. I still think these are both playoff teams. And the Bengals have had two really hard games uh, yeah. off uh, straight off the bat. Uh, going back to Cincinnati, I think will be great for them um, in, the, in the next coming weeks. And... Yeah, I think there's still there's still a wild card. Play the Denver Broncos or anything like that. Well, that's it. But there's still a wild card team for me. Um, I I I still believe that with that defense, which is it's actually very very good, 
um, only keeping uh, Antonio Brown to just thirty nine yards. Um, I can't, I can't jump off the bandwagon. I've got to take the Bengals for the division because otherwise, I make myself look stupid. Plus, but, uh, <laughs> it would be it would be trite for you to reject it because it's so wonderfully illiterate. So there we go. Right, got to keep remember, that going. Do you remember when the Saints and the Giants played last season and they put up a hundred points? Yeah. This year they didn't put a point up until nearly the end of the second quarter, and that came on a kick-six return. The offences put up one touchdown in the day between them, which was a throw to Willie Sneed from Drew Brees. This was not the 52-49 loss of last season. This was a bit of a mess of a game. The Saints, as an 0-2 team, I mean, we never really thought they were a playoff team anyway, but they should be panicking. However, the Giants, I like the Giants for the NFC East. I think the defence is looking better than we thought. The defence is looking really good. The supporting cast around Odell Beckham is looking very good as well. Victor Cruz, 91 yards. Sterling Shepard, 117 yards. Uh, They're finding Larry Donnell's a bit as well. The one issue, and I think Giants fans uh, would agree with me here, is what on earth is Shane Vereen doing anywhere near the rushing game? (laughs) Okay, Rashad Jennings didn't have a good good game at all. 27 yards, 13 carries. But Vereen, he kept he fumbled the ball, and that was one of the reasons. Uh, oh no, that was Stephen Ridley. But you know, he we, uh, a man who has fumbled a lot. He is a man, yeah, exactly. But Vereen has also fumbled, and at one point when he uh, went up the gut for two and a half yards or something, um, I heard the the guys at uh, the MetLife Stadium booing him, booing the fact that uh, they were running the ball. <laughs> no, they were saying boo earns. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, That's a really weird reference. I apologise. It's one of the worst references you've ever made. Whoa. But, but the, they've got they've got incredible, incredible receivers. Throw the ball, Eli. Do what you're actually good at. Come on, man. Right. Let's do take the sad task of talking about two 0-2 teams who I predict is both to go to the playoffs and both of whom I think Oli Hunter need to be pressing that panic button the Jags looked really good in week one they lost but they look really good they went to San Diego (laughs) and they laid an absolute egg Philip Rivers matched a career high four touchdown passes two to Travis Benjamin Melvin Gordon ran in for one score and had his first 100 yard game of his career as the San Diego Chargers won 38 to 14 against the Jags and not only that but those 14 points were as junk time as they possibly come you know, the Chargers lost week one, stunning loss to the Kansas City when they blew that third quarter lead. And I think San Diego are going to struggle this season thanks to injuries again. It's a real shame for them. But people have got pretty hysterical about the Jags on Twitter. Niall says the Jags, the talent is there, but it's the same old issues again and again. Mitch says fire Gus. Last night was a shambles. Second worst ever record, 39 losses. See ya. Is Gus Bradley even going to make it to London? I tell you what, it's not a bad shout. I mean, I said it to you, uh, you weren't listening to me, uh, whilst you were making your lovely wife some food. But I said it to you, Gus Bradley could get fired. Uh, my wife dinner does take precedence over watching football with you, I'm afraid. No, it's absolutely fine. Uh, and then Matt Sherry, uh, Gridiron Editor, he texted us saying that he could get fired not two minutes after I'd said it. And now other people are saying it. The Jags were abject. Abject. 
I, it was it was embarrassing. No one could tackle um, it, that Terrell Williams. Uh, it, the, the, his touchdown, okay, broke a load of tackles, but the tackling was absolutely abysmal. They are a terrible, terrible team at the moment, uh, and it's difficult to really put your finger on it, on why they're they're not c- quite firing. Blake Bortles was rubbish. Um, all right, he managed to get a bit of gunk time, uh, fantasy points, and yardage for everybody, but. Uh, it's worrying. Think, it's worrying. You guys, I've decided. I think you guys are being hysterical about this. Oh wait, there he goes. Hey. Yeah, sorry, I might have missed that. Uh, <laughs> the guy is drunk, but there he goes. The Jags see the Ravens and the Colts come to Jacksonville over the next two weeks. They could easily be two and two by the end of week four. They are a very, very young team, a very, very young defense who are starting three of the most talented players to come out of the draft in the last two years, but all of whom only took their first NFL snaps last week. Yes, it was a bad loss tonight, but it was last night, but it was a naive performance, Mm. not a bad coaching performance. Like they, they just made silly, silly mistakes. If this good coaching over the next couple of weeks, they could come to London, beat the Colts, go two and two. And then, do you know what? They've got a few winnable games after that. The Bears, the Raiders, the Titans. There's still a potential. I'm not saying that I'm still convinced this is a playoff team, but as I've always said, if the Jags go eight and eight, then Gus Bradley keeps his job. Uh, I think he's got to go above 500 to keep his job. You want to see progression? Yes, an eight and eight would be progression, but you want to see positive prog- progression. I don't think there's much pro- positivity coming out of Jacksonville. Uh, tell me about Melvin Gordon because he had a fantastic day again yesterday. But um, yeah, what about what about his mum? Yeah, the only story worth telling about Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's mum finally wore the 28 jersey to the Chargers. She, she said that she would not wear his number to a Chargers game until he had earned. So he had earned her respect. His two touchdowns in week one clearly did that. She turned up at the game week two with the jersey on. He went for 100 yards for the first time in his career, got another touchdown. I'm really pleased Melvin Gordon is panning out. Obviously coming to our Super Bowl venue to do some bowling, did him the world of good in the offseason. He came to the Bloomsbury Bowl lanes and it's, it's changed him. <laughs> right. There you go. That's for you, Melvin and Mom. Brilliant. Let's talk Washington because this is another team that I saw as a playoff team going into the season. And actually, I think they've been very unlucky in both of their losses so far. But the one thing that completely stands out about this team from those two losses is that they paid. Well, I say they paid. They franchise tagged, but paid in a big way, Kirk Cousins. And much like another quarterback talked about earlier in Kirk Cousins, between the 20s, is making some great throws. He had one touchdown drive against the Cowboys, which was absolutely excellent. But here are his red zone stats, courtesy of Richard Graves of Sky Sports News. He sent me these. Through two games, Kirk Cousins is one of eight in the red zone, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Oh, man. He had three trips to the red zone when he could have put Washington two scores up and killed this game off against a bad Dallas defense. And it is a bad Dallas defense. They were bad again this weekend. And he had to settle for two field goals and then threw a terrible red zone interception. Dak Prescott on the other side of the ball. He looked poised again. Had a couple of scrambles. Had a decent stat line day. I'd still think he's limited in what he can throw, but I think they are being intelligent with that offense. As we've said through the whole season so far, he's the rookie quarterback in very much the best situation he could possibly be. Best O-line, great running game. The Cowboys look like they're going to be fine. I still don't think they're above an 800 team with that defense and that they will struggle against much better teams. But Washington, I'm sorry, 
until Kirk Cousins sorts out his red zone issues. And what's stunning to me is Jordan Reed in the red zone, slant routes, that worked for them so often last year, and they've not used it once this year. I know they expect teams will see that wrinkle and will go after them, but come on, go back to what you know. I can't, I can't disagree with anything that you said there. I, actually, I just do want to say, I said they were unlucky week one. I didn't mean they were unlucky week one. They, they deserve to lose week one, but they came up against a very, very good team in the Steelers. They were unlucky this week. They should have won that game. The Reds, the, the, Washington should be one and one right now. And it's their own fault they're not. And Dallas are very lucky to be to be uh, to be in a situation where they've got the win. I can't I can't disagree with you. Nice to see Des Bryant uh, making a few plays and reminding everyone that he is um, that number one receiver. Ezekiel Elliott um, had a good day. Twenty one yard, uh, twenty one attempts, eighty three yards, touchdown. Uh, and that Prescott got his first NFL touchdown with a with a, a one yard scramble up the gut. So. Um, there's not much you can say about Dallas I think we still need to see a bit more from them to see how actually how good they are right we're running long already as always get on with so it then let's get through the one and one teams there are ten of them in the division five games to talk about return to LA has to be the first one god weren't those kids lovely oh wait a sec yeah uh, <laughs> Simon said those ram thing, those ram uniforms are a thing of beauty hashtag kit watch I mean, they are beautiful. I mean, really beautiful. This is the most interesting thing to talk about from this game, because whilst the Rams managed points this week, and they managed to get a victory on the board, it was almost as bad a game as the one against the 49ers on Monday Night Football. They beat the Seattle Seahawks by nine points to three. But for the Seahawks, Martin Wontert, he's a Seahawks fan, said, I take back my preseason comment about the O-line being better. Somehow it's got worse. I still think we make the playoffs, however, once uh, once Wilson looks better on his feet. Michelob says, uh, although always thought their offense is way overrated, but the defense will bail them out enough to make the playoffs. Adam says, panicking. I think Seattle should be panicking. They look awful on offense so far. 15 points from their opening two games against teams which people expect to be in the bottom 10, if not the bottom five of teams this season. I think the Seahawks have a genuine cause for concern right now. I don't think you're being hysterical there. I, I totally agree. They are banged up as well. Um, Jermaine Afidi, their, their first-round draft pick. CJ Prozise as well, um, the, the running back. Jermaine, of course, uh, on the line, uh, the O-line. He, they, neither of these guys have played. Uh, Tyler Lockett went out of the game. He did return, but he went out injured. Doug Baldwin's suffering from back spasms regularly, so he's not 100% fit. Russell Wilson... He's not 100% fit. He's struggling off of that, that uh, ankle injury, despite saying that he's 100% fit. He's not. He's, oh, uh, he's not limited. At, he's, he is limited, sorry. Uh, Jimmy Graham, they're bringing him back sh- slowly after, after a, yet another injury. They're banged up. And then couple that with some idiotic behaviour from Michael Bennett, who he should have been thrown out of that game for multiple infractions, multiple um, antisocial behaviour throughout the game. <laughs> you, you would have asboed Michael Bennett. I, I think he deserves an asbo. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Thomas Rawls injured. Christine Michael, I, I, I think once we're into proper football, all of that preseason guff about how good he was it goes out of it. It, st- it still hasn't done it for me. I think the Seahawks have got real concern to be worried. But then we did say that last year, and look what happened. But Russell Wilson was fit last year. He's definitely not this. Now, the Falcons, they go 1-1 one and one because they go to the Oakland Raiders and win 
35-28. What a high-scoring game this was. Just talking about the Falcons' side of the ball, first of all. Matt Ryan threw three touchdown passes. He got pretty lucky on the go-ahead one in the fourth quarter as uh, his third down throw to Tevin Conn was broken up but bounced high in the air and Justin Hardy caught the eight-yard great touchdown. Play. Great play. Um, great play from Hardy. Uh, lucky overall. Yeah. And, I, and I think they were a bit lucky in total. I think the Falcons are exactly what we thought they'd be. They can be explosive on offense. I think they will be more, they'll drop off later in the season. Their defense still have no pass rush whatsoever. But the fear for the Raiders, and we had Alan M getting touched saying the Raiders' defense could be one of the worst I've ever seen, incapable of stopping anything. <laughs> Their defense looks terrible right now, considering they've got Sean Smith, considering Khalil Mack is in there and has all that talent, considering what they spent on it. I, I am a little concerned for the Raiders right now. I thought they could be a potential outside playoff team. Uh, if they're going to keep getting into these shoots at, shootouts, I don't think Derek Carr is the man to carry them to 40 points a week, and that's what they're going to need right now with the defense playing like it is. Is it a case of uh, there's a lot of new uh, pieces in this defense and they need a bit of time to gel, or... Should they have done that throughout the preseason? Well, I've, I can't say that about the Jags and then not say it about the Raiders. So hopefully that is the case and hopefully they will learn quickly. But certainly people are already calling in a Raider Nation for the sacking of their defensive coordinator. Can I just um, quickly ask you about yeah. Latavius Murray? Because um, you mentioned something uh, when we were watching the games yesterday about him. Um, I, I wondered if you could uh, I- expand on that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, last season, I was very much a believer that Latavius Murray was an average at best running back. He got no yards after contact. He got hit way too easily. He didn't cut well. All in all, he he managed to get some yards behind a very good offensive line. This year, in the, through two games, he has really impressed me. He bounces off tackles. He makes good cuts. He's picking up yards after the after contact. You know, it's early in the season, but Latavius Murray could be the most improved player at his position so far this year for me. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I keep missing it. I keep uh, turning. I was going to play uh, the hysterical drop. I don't actually think you're being hysterical. He um 7.1 uh, yards per carry yesterday and uh, you know uh, I think you're right. I think he he could be very well back. 5.27 across the whole of the season. Um I've always believed in his talent. I don't care what anyone else says. Right, let's rumble through these rumble. last three games. Uh, oh no, there's one thing to mention. Sorry, with the Raiders game. Marquette King hits the punt. It looks like it's going to be returned. He goes for a wrestling takedown punt. Oh, it's incredible. What a hero. Uh, (laughs) 100%. Love all of that. Right. Titans, Lions. Damn, Titans. Damn. Titans get their first win of the season. They beat the Lions 16-15, but man this game was indisciplined. The Lions, we want to talk about the inability to convert in the red zone. Three touchdowns called back thanks to flags. The Lions... (laughs) Two in a row at one point. The, the Lions should have absolutely hammered the Titans here. I still think they look like the better offensive team, but oh, if you keep giving up that many penalties, I think it was 29 between them. It was 29. 20, I was going to wow. ask you, uh, and then you would set me up, but it's fine. It was 29 penalties between them. That's an absolute disgrace. What They almost should refund everybody that was there because of they didn't get to watch a proper game of football. The what ball was great. However, for Tennessee, because I was going to say overall I wasn't impressed with them. The last drive, 93 yards, 13 plays, taking six minutes to do it. Marcus Mariota and DeMarco Murray between them were incredibly impressive on that drive. Otherwise, 
I didn't see a huge amount from the Titans to say that they're going to get above, say, five or six wins this year. DeMarco Murray did not look very good across, um, on the ground. OK, his stat line looks good. Uh, 12 attempts, 89 yards, but his longest was 67. You take that off, he's rushing, uh, rushing for two yards per carry. I mean, uh, he didn't look good. Marcus, I do like that Lions defensive front in terms yeah, of their yeah, stuff. So yeah, there's this there's potential enough. there, but yeah, it's... Yeah. Lions didn't look great either. This is just two very bad teams that can't play football. Uh, two more one and one and one teams: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals absolutely destroyed. What a horrible day for Jameis Winston. This is intercepted four oh. times and lost a fumble as well. Uh, he had to throw fifty-two pass attempts, so he was coming from behind the whole time. Arizona, their defense looked absolutely back to its best against an offense that we really liked last week. All they said to me was that the Cardinals game with the New England, it was a tough one for them. They look really impressive here. The Bucks are exactly what we thought they were. A young team, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to have up and downs like this. I don't think you can take too much from a blowout on the road to one of the best teams in football, but I just think it shows that we were overreacting a bit to the Cardinals last week. I agree, I agree. David Johnson does look incredible. Um, I mean, both catching out of the backfield, then making yards after the catch, uh, his rushing as well. The one thing, if you look at the box score of this game, Apart from, obviously, the, the four uh, interceptions and um, the fumble aforementioned uh, from Jay Winston, J- Jameis Winston, how, without looking, guess how many times Mike Evans was targeted by Winston? If you didn't know already. I would have said eight or nine. Seventeen times. He Whoa. caught six. Mm, it's not good <laughs> enough, Mikey. I mean, that's not good enough, man. You need to get on your broomstick and catch some balls properly, pal. Uh, and the final game, the Carolina Panthers, you know, the story of this game is exactly what we thought it would be. Don't get to Cam Newton, the Carolina Panthers going to beat you. Interesting from the 49ers in terms of they got 17 points in the fourth quarter and it came from two really good drives from Blaine Gabbert. A couple of really good throws in succession and, and okay, I suspect the Panthers had taken their... It just showed a bit of toughness, a bit mm-hmm. of mental... You know, I, the 49ers are not a good football team. If anything, they are a bad football team. You know, they still lost by almost 20 points here. But just just that little fourth quarter rally just showed me something about the 49ers that I, I liked. And I was pleased with that. Um, do you know who had an amazing day? Uh, Cam Newton had a pretty good day. Greg Olson had a very good day. Um, oh, I might be missing someone. Someone that perhaps you uh, owe me an apology for, potentially. I did not believe in Kelvin Benjamin in the way you did. He was phenomenal yesterday. I haven't been brilliant against the Broncos. Two touchdown passes. The one, the, the diving, the throw down to his, um, uh, the, the Cam Newton actually threw far too low for him. And he had to basically slide for the catch right on the left-hand side of the end zone. It was an unbelievable yeah. catch. He had another juggling catch over Antoine Bethay at one point. Uh, he, well, the, he the, the, an- the other touchdown catch, the bullet uh, from... Uh, Cam Newton, which was, I don't know, maybe seven or eight yards in the air, but he managed to cling onto it whilst being hit. I mean, he is, he's next level. Yeah, and, and okay, he's gone against a bad defence today overall in the 49ers in their secondary. They did get a pick of Cam and they did keep it close at times until that late uh, big surge from the Panthers. But uh, yeah, Kelvin Benjamin will put up big points this year. And so I'm sorry. 
I can't believe you actually did it. I feel really bad now for making you apologise no, to me. I, I am sorry. I did not believe in you. Wow. And I'm sorry, Ollie. Uh, that, that, that's all of the Sunday hours, all of the weekend games. We've gone through them all. Thursday night football coming up Thursday night. Texans at Patriots. Just to say for gridiron-magazine.com for the Pickham game there. I had another very average week. I think I got 10 games again. Uh, I, don't, I can't include Monday night football yet. I haven't even looked. But I am taking the Texans. I was that impressed with them against the Chiefs. Defensively, they're going to have too much for the Patriots and Jacoby Brissett. I'm taking the Texans. I am also taking the Texans. Uh, but I, wow. also, I will also put this in there. I think Julian Edelman will throw some passes on Thursday. <laughs> uh, and and not almost, just one pass on a trick play. Passes. Um, I almost think it's too obvious now that they're going to do that and so they, they won't touch it. But there is there was that joke running around on Twitter yesterday that Julian Edelman is the fourth best quarterback in the AFC East. After, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Tyra Taylor had a good game on Thursday. Thank you. Uh, some breaking news just came through from Adam Schefter. Demarcus Ware will have to go undergo surgery tomorrow on his fractured arm. Will miss ooh. four to five weeks. It's a big loss for the Broncos' defense, but actually, you kind of feel like they're the, it's like the Patriots' offense. They can probably deal with it for four to five weeks and then get Demarcus Ware fit for the second half mm-hmm. of the season, and it's probably actually going to end up benefiting them in the long run. Yeah. <sighs> Sigh. Uh, we did get one tweet in from Chris who wanted to know we're only uh, two weeks away from the first London game, Colts, Jags. Um, we could have two 0 3 teams again. Oof. That would be ugly. But Chris tweets, have you guys got any events lined up after the London Games this year looking for where to head? Now, Chris, we are hoping to make an announcement about something we're looking to do on the final of the London Games alongside um, a a few good friends of ours. That's all I can say for now. But they're big names who you'll want to come down and spend some time with. So we will announce hopefully more about that once the venue, etc. is confirmed in the next few days but nothing planned for the first two games as it currently stands maybe if that's a success we'll do something more regularly however i think the order of the day may well be the hippodrome again mm-hmm. they're running the DraftKings competitions if you want to sign up for DraftKings and use the code gridiron go nuts uh, you can enter the free games through there um they are genuinely that's a magazine thing that's not a podcast thing i felt like i was being too advertising there i just want to point that out but um it's always really good fun down there and i imagine that's where we'll end up but we will tweet about it from at gridiron and from at will gavin from at ollie hunter so we will tell you where we will end up don't worry chris if you want to come and hang out we'll make sure that happens yeah come come hang out with us great ollie buy us a beer any final thoughts um no i don't think so a huge thank you again to Sam Quick. What a great guest she was. Thank you to everyone who got in touch on Twitter, etc. at Gridiron. Continue, please, to go and rate us on iTunes, etc. If you're listening to this as a one-off, you can subscribe via iTunes, via your favourite podcatcher. The Gridiron Show is what you search for on anything along those lines. We'll be back on Friday morning uh, slash sometime Friday, Saturday, depending on when we record, with a review of Thursday Night Football and a preview of all the Sunday games. But for now, Ollie, any final thoughts? No, man. In which case, thank you very much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. My wife is genuinely shaking her head at me. Why? Uh, I don't know.